And hello and welcome everyone to the Comic Multiverse, where the worlds of nerd meet. It's our 140th episode, Matt. 140 already? It doesn't seem like it. No, I know we always say that. I feel like that's a common theme if someone was to do a supercut of us not believing how far our show has gone on. <laughs> but maybe that's just because this is the most consistent show you or I have ever been on. Yeah, yeah, it's it's quite insane. It doesn't feel like it, though, as well. No, we've been doing this for like a couple years now. And, uh, oh, oh, it's a special episode. I mean, every episode's a special episode, but this one's especially special, you see, because we're talking about Shazam. That's going to be our whole big spoiler mm -hmm. cast at the second part of the episode. But don't feel like you can't watch the first half because we're going to be talking about all the news that went down this week. Yes, and there was quite a bit of news. There was, all things considered. We're also talking about our weeks in general. How how was your week, Matt? It was pretty good. It was pretty good. Uh, as we were talking about at the start of the show, we've we've both been playing like Sekiro uh, among other games as well. But yeah, well, yeah, I, uh, I I finally got Persona Five because they finally finally fell into my price range. It's a game I've literally been meaning to play for years, and it's like, hey, it's twenty six bucks Canadian. <laughs> now I'm like, all right, cool. I saw I saw that pop up on the PlayStation. It's like, oh, Joel finally got Persona Five. I could like talk, kind of talk to him about it. We can <laughs> we can have our waifu wars. Who is best girl, Joel? Tell me who is best girl. <laughs> yeah. I don't know uh, yet. <laughs> how um how far are you into it? I haven't even started it yet because I kept going back to Sekiro. Is why. <laughs> That's my thing. I'm like, fine. I'm gonna start a new game over here, and then I'm like, okay, well, let me try a little bit more Sekiro. All right, let me try a little bit more. I can get a little bit farther. It's a game you hate in spurts, but then you keep coming back to it. It's a beautiful, beautiful form of abuse from software as set up for yes. all of its sadist fans. Yes, it, it's quite, quite fantastic. Hurt me, hurt me, good Sekiro. <laughs> But yeah, my uh, my week, if you couldn't tell by following me on Twitter, has been all wrestling ever since I started the wrestling stream, the unsolicited wrestling podcast over on Twitch, because, you know, I, I know my audience. I know how unsolicited it is. Yes, and because we have because I have so many of the same followers as you, mm. my whole stream has been about wrestling as well, even though I'm not involved in wrestling it's, in it's any a, way. It's amazing <laughs> when that stuff penetrates your timeline to the point where you have to ask, where it's like, okay, why, who who tackled Bret Hart? Was this a storyline <laughs> or did some crazy fan actually do it? A crazy fan actually did it. <laughs> uh, that was great. In a dumb Rasta hat like yeah. Homer Simpson when he's trying to blend in at Lollapalooza. <laughs> <laughs> man that dude is so friggin dumb the guy who did that because even if you think wrestling is fake you're still in a room with like four retired ufc champions five former golden glove champions about yeah. 10 different nfl linebackers outside just the regular freaks of nature and steroid cases who all love brad hart and are waiting to beat your ass yeah not to mention all the fans that are still adamant that it's not fake. Oh, yeah. Oh, totally. <laughs> also, too, man, Barkley Security Center. Holy crap, did you guys drop the ball? They basically had to, like, human, like, human wave the guy off the stage and then bring him to the police. Yeah, people were saying that, like, they didn't even bother putting up, like, proper security. I'm thinking, no. you're in, a, you're in like, an arena with, like, thousands of people. Why not put barricades up? Because I've seen, like, wrestling rings where they have oh, had yeah. barricades and oh, stuff, yeah. but this one didn't look like it had any. Well, because it's the Hall of Fame is the thing. It's supposed to be, like, a show. They're not actually doing any wrestling, but, I mean, some, Still. Fight, some fighting <laughs> happened. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, so freaking nuts. My favorite bit there, it's that uh, Davey Boy Smith Jr., 
who everyone else is wearing like really nice like suits and everything because it's a fancy occasion. He's wearing like his uncle's merch shirt, gold pants, pushes his way past the crowd <laughs> to get a couple looks in at the dude. <laughs> that's I'm awesome. Like, that's my man. That's my hero. Can Davy Boy Jr. watch my back whenever I go anywhere? <laughs> Ain't no one going to mess with me. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, that's the kind of week we've been having. Actually, uh, Mania is going on right now. But I'm glad that we had to do this show, Matt. That way, when I do watch it later, I can skip past all the matches I don't want to watch. <laughs> That's great. There you go. In, in, in this era of Netflix and streaming, no, I just want to watch the ones I want to watch. <laughs> uh, but yes, we did actually have some news this week, Matt. As you said, a surprising amount, considering that you know we're in kind of the doldrum times right now. Although, I suppose that's going to change because we had Shazam and we're going to be having uh, Avengers Endgame in no time. Yeah, two two weeks coming up. I could not believe that Jeez. when I went to the theater and I looked at the poster. I'm like, really? I'm going to be back here again for that? I'm like, well, then that's it, right? And we're not going to have anyone for it. Nope, nope. Then we got Spider-Man Homecoming in the summer. Holy crap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think, like, I, I'm not rushing out to see it. I think, like, this week Hellboy comes out. There's also Hellboy. Again, I'm in no particular rush to see Hellboy either. I hope it does good. I have no animosity for Hellboy, but it's like going to the movies getting more and more expensive. I got to save money for something. Yeah. Hey, they got my money. Lobster Johnson's in the film. Mm. They got my money from that. There you go. You got to at least get some money in there for good old. <laughs> immensely on this show and following quite closely uh the dc walmart comics the big 100 page giants that you know uh managed to bring together a bunch of classic stories that people know like hush and all this other mm -hmm. stuff but also at least you know headlined by one new story by one mm -hmm. writer so you know if you wanted to see brian michael bendis write batman for the first time you had to pick that up if you wanted to see mm -hmm. tom seeley write swamp thing you'd have to pick that up and it got to the point where you and I are like, well, where's, it's hard to find these at Walmart. They're damn near impossible. Who's buying these? I would I would like to read these stories without A, being forced to pirate them, or B, having a fan send them to me. Yeah, well, yeah, not only that, they're not even available here in Australia. And we had we have uh, some comic shops that, like, they went to, like, Comic-Con or something over in America. They bought a heap. And then they were flogging them off for, like, $50 a comic. I'm like, fuck off. I'm not buying that for that. <laughs> no good but well i guess apparently you know the powers that be listen to the comic multiverse matt because those 100 page giant stories are actually going to be collected and coming to comic stores in july excellent i will definitely get them now are they collecting the whole issue or they're collecting only the new stories they say they're collecting the whole thing but i think that's kind of stupid because these are stories yeah. again like hush that are already collected i think exactly. what they meant to say is we're collecting the new stuff i hope so because yeah that's basically a whole nother like chapter of i'm guessing these stories are kind of in canon well we'll have to read them to find out won't we yeah. which is kind of important it'll be an interesting little experiment yeah, because then this is this is basically to like a lot of us like the the hidden stories of the DC universe, oh, oh. which is really cool. Oh, when it comes time to make videos on this, you bet your ass I'm gonna call it that. Brian Michael Bendis's first Batman, <laughs> the Lost Batman story. <laughs> Everything you missed from the Lost Batman stories, red arrows, little circles. <laughs> yeah, Batman is actually good now. <laughs> just all just all the worst clickbaity tactics I'm gonna roll out when this happens. <laughs> you you wait and see. 
But yeah, I'm excited for this. Again, it's probably going to be good content for the channels when we actually get a chance to yeah. do this. And I'm again, I'm just happy these are stories or places where people can read them. And furthermore to that, this almost solves another problem I know you, myself, and a lot of other people have been talking about in comics, and that is why, why don't they come out with more original graphic novels? Why don't they come out with more complete stories? <laughs> And that's kind of what they're doing here, because if you don't read them at Walmart, if you can't find them at Walmart, then they're all brand new to you, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, what, what what banner are they are they putting these out under? Mm. Are they going to make a new one? Are they going to scrap for, Black Label? Are they, yeah, <laughs> you know? Just for that's a very good question, Matt. We will have to see about that. Yeah, I don't think they'll put them out under a new label. I no. think they'll just put them out under DC as original graphic novels, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Now, uh, our next story here is also DC-centric, but we move on over more to the film side of things. Uh, it was announced this week that Viola Davis will be returning to James Gunn's Suicide Squad sequel. Man, that's a tongue twister. Mm -hmm. Try saying that seven times. <laughs> Suicide Squad sequel, Suicide Squad sequel. Yep, yep, see, can't do it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, she will be returning as Amanda Waller, and uh, I think that's great. She was one of the few things that I could genuinely point to and go, that was good. I wish she was in a better version of this. Yeah, and yeah, it kind of makes sense she would be coming back since this is like a sequel reboot type thing. thing. Yeah. I mean, so the, yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty cool. That movie had a lot of problems. She was not one of them. I'm glad James Gunn can see that and I hope she actually has more to do and can be a little bit closer mm. to her comic counterpart. Hopefully, yeah. Yeah, that'd be nice. She I think she probably had the one scene that I really really liked in Suicide Squad, the one that felt like it was from an Ostrander comic, and that is, all right, Amanda Waller, it's time to go. What to do with your team? Oh, no worries. <laughs> They're dead. Yeah, she kills them all. That's like an Amanda Waller thing. <laughs> that very much is. That's like, nope, it's easier this way. Cut, cut yeah. your losses. Yeah. Life means nothing to me, and I'm literally the one holding, uh, what is it, your bomb collars right now. If I was that cruel to these people, imagine what I'll do to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, furthermore, to the Suicide Squad story, we had reported here, because, well, we got it from other places, that Idris Elba would be replacing Will Smith as Deadshot. Apparently, that's not the case anymore. Apparently, those early reports were wrong. He's going to be playing a brand new character that isn't Deadshot. Yeah, well, I think originally he was, but then they thought mm. uh, that might be a bit of a disservice to uh, Smith, so we'll make him a new character will smith whoever we, that will who, be will smith who we still might want to make money off of in the future potentially yeah <laughs> yeah why why burn that bridge if we don't have to of course there's a lot of theories all over the place you know the first one a lot of people jump to because it's suicide squad is bronze tiger mm, i could see that yeah another you know uh like evergreen member of the suicide squad on multiple uh versions of the team a very interesting character in his own right a character who i've always thought they should do more with because he's so morally gray sometimes he's a hero sometimes he's a villain you know he's mm -hmm. a martial artist that even batman respects yeah I think that would be fun. Or, you know, they could do something crazy with it and be like, you know, let's just race Ben to character who no one really cares about because, again, they did it with Deadshot and no one cared. Yeah. You know who I would like if they did race Ben the character? Who? I would like it to be someone like Captain Cold. Idris Elba is Captain Cold. You know what? I think you'd be able to get away with that even more so, too, because it's like, look, did you want a comic book version? Watch the fucking Flash show. He's on there. Yeah, yeah, I, I'd like it. Now, and then you could also play with, like, oh, which which Captain Cold is, is this going to be Lennis, not the usual one with the gun, or is it going to be, like, his new 52 one where he kind of right. had powers? 
And I mean, as we've seen with James Gunn too, you know, he's no stranger to colorblind casting there. Obviously what he did with uh, Tanalath, the pursuer and everything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, could be a thing. I'd be, I'd be fine with that if he wanted to, you know, think outside the box with a character. Yeah, I don't. The thing is with that though, if he, if he was to do something like that, that that the team would have two captains since Captain Boomerang ah, is coming back. Right. Well, I mean, you could write a whole series of jokes around that. I, I'm yeah. the captain. You're the, you know, I'm the captain now. Could make him like Black Spider. That would be a fun one too. Again, there's another guy who's been on a couple versions of the team. Hell, uh, they did a newer version of Clock King, Billy Talkman who they made a black guy. It yeah. would be kind of fun to see Idris Elba be Clock King and him be like, you know, I'm uh, I'm obsessed with time. You know, I run the back end of the operations. You know, I have everything timed to the exact second. Yeah, that, that, that'd that be pretty cool. That'd yeah. be pretty cool. I mean, just Idris Elba is just so goddamn good on his own. It doesn't really matter who he plays. I think he's going to make it worthwhile. Yeah, definitely. Just because he's in it. And uh, yeah, I, I think as it stands right now, they brought the right people back. Viola Davis, great. Totally bring her back. Jai Courtney as Captain Boomerang, maybe the best role he's ever played. So why not? <laughs> he was born to play this role. <laughs> he was born to play it. And even if you don't see it that way, then maybe they kill him off to really like ratchet up the tension and be like, oh, look, the one guy we brought back is already dead. Yeah, he, he becomes the Slipknot of the of the second team. They need to bring Slipknot back. He needs to be the leader of the team. That would be <laughs> No, Slipknot's the villain, you see. His head didn't blow up all the way, or it's the ghost of Slipknot out for revenge. <laughs> Why you kill me? <laughs> Dicks. <laughs> but yeah, that one I think would be would be really, really fun. Uh Another piece of potential casting news here, this comes from the Marvel side of things. Obviously, uh, last time we had a show, we talked about Angelina Jolie being cast in a Marvel property. That eventually turned out to totally be true. She's going to be one of the Eternals. Yeah, she's going to be Cersei. I think that's how you you say it. It's spelled weird, but yes, Cersei is the way you do it. And yeah, Cersei was actually an Avenger for a long period of time, so it makes sense. Mm Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, the other piece of casting news apparently coming out of Eternals is they want Kumel Najani for something. Now, I am a big Kumel Najani fan. Mm. I've loved his work since the days of when he did the Indoor Kids podcast with his wife. And, obviously, he had a lot of really funny stand-up and guest appearances on stuff like Harmontown. Did the podcast circuit for a long, long time. And uh, even just recently, he was in that movie, The Big Sick, which is based on his own life and how he met his wife. And it's very funny and maybe like one of the best romantic comedies I've seen in a long time. I I would love the idea of him joining the Marvel Universe in some capacity. Yeah, yeah, he's he's a really funny actor. I've, I've loved him in like Silicon Valley. And yeah. I think he's in that in that new Twilight Zone series as well. Yes, I think he is, too. Um, and yeah, I'm intrigued to see who he will play, though. Yeah, as am I. Uh, I think also, too, he has a bit of a Marvel connection because he has a new movie coming out now called Stuber, where it's like a buddy cop thing, him and uh, Dave Batista. I saw the trailer for that before we started this podcast. I, it came up in my feed. I didn't have a chance to watch it, but I wanted to. It looked fun. It did. It, look, it looks pretty funny. It does look fun. I know, uh, what is it? Uh, who, who's the other uh, stoner geek comedian I like? So, ooh, Brian Posehn who writes Deadpool, he's also friends with uh, Kamel Najani, and uh, Posehn loves wrestling, 
and his whole thing is like, oh, Kumail's such a freaking you know, fair-weather wrestling fan. You get, you get in one movie with Dave Bautista, and suddenly you're a fan, and you love it now. After you made fun of me for years about it. <laughs> I thought that was just a cute story. Which also leads to the next question. When When is Brian Posehn going to join the Marvel Universe in some capacity is the real question. It, it's coming. It's coming. I could see him as the man in the chair. Oh, Brian Posehn for the Mole Man. He could be the Mole Man. <laughs> He's too big to be the Mole Man. That's the joke. He's like eight foot tall in real life. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's how you would play it. It's like, this is the Mole Man, but he's like eight foot, nine foot tall. <laughs> hey, Richards, it's me, the Mole Man. Just, you know, just, just thought I'd check in with you. <laughs> I like Posehn a lot. He's very funny. That's that's another thing we should do. Our favorite geek comedians there. Pat Oswalt, Kamel Najani, Brian Posehn. <laughs> uh, Blaine Capatch, remember him? He hosted that show Beat the Geeks for a little bit. Oh, I think I do remember that show. I, it I think sucks, so, yeah. It sucks that show's not anywhere you can get it, because that was actually a really fun concept. Yeah. Ugh. Now, talking about casting, and we were, this actually has nothing to do with Marvel or DC, but it is a nerdy topic and something I know our fans will probably feel strong about. John show is going to be headlining the Netflix version of Cowboy Bebop. They've cast him as Spike Spiegel. And I'm completely fine with that. As am I. This whole cast sounds really, really good. And normally, my knee-jerk reaction whenever they're like, we're doing a live-action anime, I'm like, mm, I don't like the sounds of that. And especially with Netflix, where it's like, we did a live-action Death Note. Mm. I was just about to say, it's like, I'm, I'm hyped, but at the same time, they did Death Note. <laughs> Here's hoping they learned their lesson on that one. And again... <laughs> Cowboy Bebop is a lot more simple. Again, like, all of what makes it amazing is in, like, the liner notes. It's, like, the style of it. It's how all of it is framed, because the stories are all incredibly deceptively simple. Yeah, yeah. And I have to wonder, because, you know, this is, like, you know, a 26-episode show that they're probably going to put down to, like, 10 episodes, or was it 6? It was it was much less than you think. Something, yeah, yeah. It was much less than you think, and you got everyone you wanted. You got Faye, you got Jet, you got Vicious in there, so I really wonder how uh, how this is all going to shake out. Yeah, it's very, very intriguing how they're going to do it. I do as well, like, because they revealed the rest of the cast as well. So good. They got the guy who played Bushmaster yeah. um, playing, uh, oh, what's his name? Um, uh, Jet. Yeah, yeah, Jet. Which again? It, that's that's the also cast. I love that guy. It's it's really good. I'm just like, man, this this guy. He's the go to now for Netflix, huh? <laughs> and rightly so. He's mm. awesome. But yeah, r- really stellar cast on this one. I I have my eye on this one. Please don't disappoint. Mm. Next, you also need an amazing soundtrack. Can you get Yoko Kano to come back and actually do music for this? Because I think that would be pretty amazing. That would be pretty amazing. I'm, I'm, I'm hyped, but cautiously hyped. I do know that like the people behind the scenes are actually like really good. I think they actually got the creator there to consult. Um, I think is it Christopher Yost or Graham Yost is behind it, and he's done some fantastic shows like Justified right. and all these other shows. Oh, so like good. it's in it's in good hands. I like that. Yeah, the, actually, you know, come to think of it, Justified has a lot of cowboy bebopish DNA because it too is a modern day western in its own way, with a hero yep. who is very Spike Spiegelish. Actually, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all right, I like that. I'm sign me up for this one. I'm on board. <laughs> for for everyone who says, why don't you talk about more anime? There, we just talked about anime. When this comes out, we'll talk about more anime. 
Yeah, and I'm sure once, you know, Netflix gets Evangelion, we'll talk about more anime. Oh, I'm sure we will. Also, too, if you have not seen Cowboy Bebop, it's like 26 episodes, and they're all really, really good. Go watch it. And there is a movie of it already, so watch that as well. The movie is good. They fight Bob Dylan. (laughs) They really do, don't they? (laughs) The movie is called Knocking on Heaven's Door, and the villain is totally just Bob Dylan. (laughs) (laughs) Also, a lot of talks about uh, nanomachines and terrorism back in a day and time when that was like, you know, a novel concept and not something we kind of feel that we're staring down the eyes of. Yeah, yeah. Which is shocking when you go back and watch it. You're like, wait, this movie was made when? Lots of animes are like that ahead of their time in in terms of like their their content, their topics they they breach. Yeah, Akira. Oh, in the future there will be, you know, clown biker gangs. We're not there yet, but... (laughs) We've had clowns terrorizing people. They just weren't on bikes. Yeah, yet. Once they master motorcycle (laughs) technology. I mean, I I think that movie also predicted the coming of the Juggalos in its own way. (laughs) <laughs> that's, well that's the whole that was the whole basis of the film <laughs> you see because I, I hope taika watiti's movie does that <laughs> does this as well you see he got really down in the juggalo community to really figure it out <laughs> oh man speaking of uh, taika watiti that was another thing uh i did this week i watched the first episode of that what we do in the shadows of, uh it's uh, so good isn't it it's very funny i like the boss from the it crowd is in it. i like there's a lady vampire now it's it's very good yeah I love the energy vampire where yeah. you're never really sure if he's actually a real vampire or just a really boring person. Or if he's just fucking with you. That is great. <laughs> that is like, and what's our funny vampire? We did like the old Nosferatu vampire in the movie, so let's do an energy vampire. <laughs> but yeah, that, that show's funny. I hope that show has a good long run because it's, it's very novel. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now what else do we have going on? After? Oh, some sad news before we get into our big spoiler cast, and that is Doomsday oh. Clock number ten has been pushed back six more weeks. Uh, I'm not. I'm not like surprised. <laughs> I'm you, not surprised you, at all. You can't be surprised anymore. We're the parents with the delinquent child, Matt. I'm not mad. I'm just very disappointed in you, Doomsday Clock. Yeah, as I said on Twitter, the the story that comes out after about all these de- all these oh, is probably yeah. going to be more satisfying than the actual ending of this series. And the question will be is, be more impactful, <laughs> no doubt. And the question is, who's gonna break first? I don't think it'll be John's to break and be like, and let me tell you how they screwed me around on this one. I'm gonna guess it's the artist who's gonna break first. Yeah, Gary Frank, my especially since like he keeps getting asked about it on Twitter and everything. Like everyone's all, and rightly so, people are asking like, why? What are these delays? Because like, for, and for me, like I can't think of what the delays will be other than oh, he has to redraw it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, I mean, absolutely. I mean, it, like there gets to a point where it can only be writing and editorial things. It can only be that, and I have to assume, considering that this story comes out amid. Uh, Jeff John stepping down as president in a new regime and a lot of power struggles going on in there. I can only assume that this was like creative dick measuring run amok. And it's like, well, you can't have this for the end of your Watchmen story because we're going in this direction. I know you planned this, but now we're changing everything. Yeah, or like, yeah, so, something like that. Or like, they just keep like whoever's in charge now keeps sticking them around, like, oh, we'll get to that, we'll get to that, and never does. So they have to delay the book and. Yeah, you can. You can. It's a shame. It is, and again, as we said before, you can feel it. Like issue five of that series, there's a really hard, like, creative yeah. pivot. Like right yeah. when, like right when they start mentioning sanctuary and like creating new Court of Owls characters and everything. 
yeah yeah there's just this like shift where it's like it was going and this i could see where it's going and then yeah just kind of just like went yeah, we've got to like change all this stuff and add sanctuary and mm-hmm. uh weird like russian politics stuff because that's yeah. topical now and at the moment well i mean it was topical to the original Watchmen too but still it, yeah. it feels very it's a bit, strange a bit heavy a bit heavy-handed here is all i'm saying <laughs> well you know you say heavy-handed but i actually like that they can show putin but don't name him putin meanwhile marvel does the same <laughs> thing but always dance around actually calling the russian president by name <laughs> also also too we got a little trump at the end of the last one there again we don't see his face or hear his name we just call him mr president but the way he's written all right huge we got huge plans for these superheroes <laughs> bring me my mcdonald's <laughs> and i'm like man 20 years from now this is gonna read weird i bet to people yeah yeah <laughs> i'm like I, I feel like there's some context here i'm not getting <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, that was that was the news for this week, everyone. Some pretty decent stuff going on there. I'm I, I'm fairly happy with it. Yeah. If I was to grade this news, I would give it a B plus. <laughs> B plus is fair. B, it's a B plus player. This news, and that's just fine. <laughs> Uh, I guess with that, we can hop on over and talk about uh, Shazam. Matt and I both saw it this week. If you haven't, feel free to save this part of the episode and come back later when you have, because we're going to be spoiling everything. Yeah, everything. Everything. Spoiling the secrets to life, the universe, and everything. (laughs) I mean, I guess I'll just come out of the way and say it right now. I really like Shazam. In fact, it might be my favorite DC movie to date. It is my favorite DC movie to date. This is this is awesome, and it's it's kind of shocking. It's taken them this long to do something like this. And I feel that it got away with being as good as it was because they didn't care, didn't pay it near as much attention, the higher-ups, and they just let mm-hmm. the creators create. Yeah, I, I, that's what I believe. I believe they probably didn't have a lot of faith in it. So they're like, ah, oh, we don't need to worry about that. And then now it's suddenly hit, and they're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> we, we always meant it that way. Also, too, uh, they clearly made this for much less than Aquaman and Wonder Woman were made for. Which is shockingly, like, considering how good it looks. Like, yes. I think it made, I think it was made for less than a hundred million. So this is this movie, no matter what it makes, is gonna make money and be oh, yeah. successful. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And here's the thing too: being made for less means that the creators had to be more creative and had yep. to, you know, do more interesting things. And it made the movie cooler by extension. They even fixed one of the problems that always nagged at me about Aquaman and Wonder Woman, which I enjoyed. But if you'll recall when we talk about them, I really hated the final act fight scenes because they were all made in a computer. There was nothing real to grab Mm -hmm. onto. It felt like I was watching a video game cutscene. Yeah, whereas this is the opposite. Everything you know is, this is all real. <laughs> it's, it's undeniably real. They filmed this with real actors at a real carnival with a real Mark Strong. Yeah, uh, it, yeah, it's all real. There's physical stuff that they can touch, and you yeah. can tell it's 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 real and everything. But yeah, let, we're, we're skipping ahead. Let's start at the beginning of the real. story, which surprisingly gives a lot of like time devoted to savannah and like his backstory and everything the villain gets a shocking amount of material in this movie which i think is great because i feel a lot of the villains in a lot of these movies have been so underserved again Ares doesn't show up till the end of wonder woman really Uh, Mm um orm actually has a good point but no one bothers to debate his good point and his motivations for why he hates the surface keep changing every five minutes 
the less said about Lex Luthor and Steppenwolf, the better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Zod again. I forgot just wants Zod. to like hit stuff. Yeah, yeah. Everyone does. Everyone has here for good we, reason. Yeah, here we have a villain who is given time to develop a real three-dimensional motivation, actually feel a little sympathetic at times, even mm. if they do lean on what I think is becoming too much of a trend now, and that is the, oh, let's make the villain a dark reflection of the hero, if only because you're going to want to do Black Adam soon, and Black Adam is already a dark reflection of Shazam. Yeah, yeah. How, many, how many dark reflections can you have? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah, his story is really great. I, I like that, like, straight off the bat, you find out that, like, he was meant to be mm. a possible champion for the Wizard Shazam, yep. but got, take, got like, seduced by the dark side, by the seven deadly sins. It's very, very Star Wars. He will lead you astray. We will give you power. <laughs> unlimited power. <laughs> uh, and because of that, that leads, obviously, to a big car crash. As well, his father is played by John Glover, who played Lionel Luther in Smallville. Oh. So this is this is the, the second film where he's been the father to one of DC's <laughs> bald villains. Who, who again, is a... <laughs> Savannah back in the 30s was a bald mad scientist, so you know. Yeah, yeah, he's been the father of a villain to two Superman type characters. <laughs> That's amazing. That's wow, wow, I did not get that. That's so cool, <laughs> actually. But yeah, they, they set up a really interesting motivation that he goes nuts being that close to power and that close to purpose, only to have it snatched away from him. And he spends the rest of his life basically sacrificing his own childhood to try and mm -hmm. get back what he thinks was taken from him. I'm like, man, that's really good. Yeah, it, it's, it's a great uh, uh, obsession for the character to have and great motivation for him. It set, sets him up for the whole film. Mm-hmm. Which, again, they spend a lot of time... As you said, we meet him before we even meet Billy, which is like almost damn near unheard of in a movie like this, yeah. setting up the villain before you set up the hero. Yeah, well, when when I when I first saw it, I'm thinking, oh, are we going to get, like, this is Billy's origin with, like, his parents dying. I'm like, oh, wait, no, this is Savannah and all that. Yeah. I'm like, oh, that's cool. But they said his name was Thad. I'm like, Thad. Th oh, Thaddeus Savannah. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, the... Uh, you know, we do eventually meet Billy and, you know, they set up his origin of being an orphaned kid in Philadelphia and everything. And man, just just the young actor cast here, the kid cast was just stellar in this movie. And it's, yeah. a, it's a good thing that it is, because if they had like one or two bad child actors, I would have just torpedoed this whole thing. Yeah, they're all perfect. And I think by even some of them, this is like some of their first roles as yeah. well. Uh, which is even more surprising of how good they are as well. They they they're realistic. Yeah, and the fact that so many of them, these are like brand new creations essentially. Like Jeff Johns only created like you know Billy's extended foster family for the new Fifty Two, and it's funny because I hated that new Fifty Two Shazam so much because I thought it was so <laughs> indicative at first of like everything wrong with the new Fifty Two, where it's like oh let's take this golden age thing and make it dark and gritty and trendy yeah, and everything. Yeah. And I remember not liking it so hard, but this movie adapts it so well and has it make sense. And then the fact that that series was used as the jumping point for the new Shazam book, which is really solid. And all I can think is like, damn, Jeff Jeff Johns had future sight. He he knew what this was going to look like on the big screen. He was basically planning for this to be adapted. Yeah, and not only that, the the writer of the film obviously added back that that like because obviously the new Fifty Two, as you said, was all gritty and had to make it like modern and everything. He added back that like 
funness to yeah. it as well. That almost Dickensian street urchin thing. That's not to say yeah. the movie doesn't have an edge to it. It does. And in fact, I think that's one of the smartest things that this movie does because it takes place in Philadelphia, which mm-hmm. is a rough town. I can actually yep. say from experience because I've been there now. <laughs> it, it's rough. The kids, they play in the back alleys. They play in abandoned warehouses. They don't have like playgrounds or anything. But I think what's cool about that is they're like, yeah, this city is rough and it is a little dangerous and these kids are being unsupervised. But it doesn't like, you know, push your face into it and be like, oh, isn't this serious? Isn't this adult? It's like, no, this is just the truth and reality of where these characters live. And again, makes mm-hmm. it feel more real and authentic. And I like that. Yeah, it, it's like the opposite of what like earlier DCEU films would have done where they would have gone deep into that. It was like, Billy's a drug user and, yeah, yeah. you know, he's prostituting, he's married and all that and sort his, of stuff. And his step-parents <laughs> beat him and everything. Yeah, yeah, whereas here they play it completely realistic as as it, as it is. Yeah, and again, you know, it's, it's understated, it's subtle. This movie is subtle in ways that I don't think anyone thought a movie called Shazam about a little boy who becomes the Earth's mightiest mortal should be. But again, mm-hmm. they, they know to let things be subtle. And I think more than anything, what this movie nails, it actually nails juggling tones. So the funny mm-hmm. scenes are allowed to be funny, and the serious mm-hmm. scenes are allowed to be serious. And when the movie gets scary, it actually gets a little scary sometimes. It does, yeah. It's it's fantastic. It's it and yeah. Usually, when these films do that, they they kind of like miss the point, like where it gets goofy or and then it suddenly shifts tone into like, why the hell is this serious now? Why is this yeah. so dark and serious? Yeah, but this it balances it so well. Yeah, it really, it really, really does. And it just like just in like the basic filmmaking and storytelling thing, everything. Everything hits. This was just a good, solid script. And even when it goes to places I didn't think it would go, where it's like, oh, yeah, we're going to give all the other kids powers now in the first movie. I'm like, really? Okay. Yeah, 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 it works. It it completely works. And it and that's something that was set up as well through the film. It just didn't happen. Yeah. It, it's set up through the film, yeah, which it, is great. It, uh, it doesn't waste your time. This is a movie that knows what you want to see, and it gives it to you. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, Billy... Well, when he turns into Sam, obviously he's Zachary Levy. He's mm-hmm. he's perfect for this role. He I really remember is. I I know I was talking shit about it when when he first got cast because and rightly so because like before that like the guy hadn't really done anything no. like this. Like you always you know him from like Chuck, where he's just like this skinny like nerd guy, and then you see him in like this in this room, and it's completely different. He's oh yeah, perfect in this. He truly nails this, I am a child pretending to be an adult in an adult's body. Yeah, it's absolutely perfect. All the jokes he has about that sort of situation are fantastic as well. And again, even just the little stuff too, where it's like, you know, what would the kids do if they had superpowers? Well, obviously they'd go to no end of shenanigans. They'd make YouTube videos. And as, as I sit and I watch the YouTube videos, I'm like, man, I hope uh, I hope he's monetizing those. I hope uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I hope he's got some good tags. I hope he's keeping track of the ever-shifting meta and everything. And I'm like, oh, God, this got too real on me. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, no, he's he's not making thumbnails. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no, he's got the yellow check marks. Oh, no. How, how's, how, how are they going to make Foster rent this month? <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, no, wait, Joel, they're making YouTube videos for fun, not to support themselves like you. <laughs> Remember when you made videos for fun, Joel? No. <laughs> but, yeah, that's that's really good. Uh, 
It's funny, I, I saw the movie with someone, and they had an interesting insight when they left. They're like, man, the soundtrack wasn't as good as that as it was in other superhero movies. And it just, it was kind of like a head moment. I'm like, oh yeah, I guess ever since Guardians, every superhero movie has also had to have a really interesting and eclectic soundtrack, huh? It, it's very true, it's very true, yeah. This, but this, yeah, this, the, 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 the film soundtrack wasn't, wasn't too too impressive that it had some good stuff but yeah they which again it's like you know it's so funny that that's a prerequisite now i'm like no they had queen and i'm like man they probably spent half the song budget just for that one queen song <laughs> i did like the um the actual score for the film i liked it actually more than captain marvel's because oh captain marvel's i couldn't actually like hear it like it wasn't like a, a good score for a hero like that whereas this one actually fit the hero and it was very uh, felt, I want to say like Superman-esque, like heroic and everything. It felt kind of mystical, magical, like they make references yeah, yeah. to Harry Potter. And I'm like, yeah, the soundtrack here feels like it could be at home in a Harry Potter movie, actually. Yeah, yeah. I, my favorite bit is I like when they're in the toy store having the fight and he steps on the big piano like from Big and I'm like oh oh a movie where a little boy becomes a man ha 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 you you're you're clever guys you we've seen the same movies. <laughs> They had my favorite sound and sight gag where he steps on it and then you hear like other noises and you hear the villain coming out of from out of frame down the piano as he's running. I'm like, oh, that's a cool gag. <laughs> it is. And again, it's very subtle. That's like people aren't going to get this. But if you get this, it's going to be very funny. Even who uh, Kevin Conroy as the voice of the Batman. He throws. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was cool. That was cool. Oh, can we talk about that, too? So Freddie, who, of course, you know, Marvel Boy Jr., whatever you want to call him. Uh, he is a fan of superheroes, and, you know, that's kind of, you know, our way in for Billy to become Shazam. What I love about it is that all the superhero merch he is wearing in that movie and all the backpacks and all everything else you see, that's real DC merchandise. And I'm like, thank you. Is that so hard? Well, see, as well, like, that shop as well was full of, like, DC Universe mm -hmm. merchandise and, like, comics and everything. I'm like, oh, this is like that Flash episode. Basically. <laughs> To where I'm like, ah, oh, what a what an interesting alternate universe where DC is the only company and there is no Marvel. <laughs> and no Image and no Valiant and no Dark Arts. <laughs> but yeah, I thought that was really clever. And like as a fan, I felt rewarded and seen in that moment. Where I'm like, oh hey, this is all merchandise I can buy. This is all stuff you can get on, <laughs> on like Warner Brothers DC Shop.com. Yeah, yeah, it was cool. And also, to the fact that they reference Harry Potter. I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess that's a Warner Brothers property, too, now, huh? I guess you can do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, like, even just the lore they build up with Shazam in one movie is quite impressive. We we get Mr. Mine. We get references to Black Adam. And I'm like, well, there's your next two sequels already set up. Exactly. They do a, such a good job setting everything up for this. They they explain, like, oh, he gets the powers from, like, Zeus and Hercules and all these different gods. That's what makes up the name Shazam. Yeah. And, and yeah, they set up that the thing with the staff where, like, if they all grab it, they all get – he'll share the powers of those gods with the, the other kids as well. It's all set up really well. It is, uh which is funny. One thing that we know, because we've been reading the comics, and one thing they don't bring up here, it's like, oh, you know, once once there were seven guardians, you know, of magic in the universe of the Rock of Attorney. One, two, three. But there's only six, counting Shazam himself, which means there's a missing seventh. Who's the missing seventh? We don't know. Jeff Johns hasn't written that yet. <laughs> well, he kind of has with that Kid King um, story claimed, going along. That yeah, he claims it's he, probably not. He claimed yeah. to be, but he's clearly evil, so it couldn't be him. 
And then they, they even set up the stuff with the alternate realms, too. We see all the doors and everything, and then Mr. Mind even says, all the realms will be ours. Oh, my God. There, there was a great part in there where we see, like, the crocodile men yes. um, from from John's run. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's so cool. I'm, I'm surprised we didn't see, like, uh, the lions and everything. Um, we, I imagine they're going to save that for the sequel. We do get a running bit with tigers. Little Billy wants a tiger, and his backpack yeah. has a tiger on it. And I'm like, ooh, <laughs> Mr. Tawny, that's fun. <laughs> I had to explain that to the person I saw the movie with, too. It's like, yeah, so, like, back in, like, the 30s, he had, like, a talking tiger who was, like, his friend and everything, and that's why he's so <laughs> gung-ho from tigers. Are we going to get a talking tiger in the sequel? Probably. <laughs> yeah. Um, another thing I'm really surprised the movie didn't do, and I kind of appreciate it for it, it didn't, like, when they were choosing names, they didn't go, oh, how about Captain Marvel or anything? Mm. Uh, they just kept, they, they use that as like a joke. They, they like say, oh, we'll call him Captain Sparkle Fingers. The Red Cyclone. Oh, yeah, or Thundercrack or something. That's pretty good, yeah. That's... I'm surprised they didn't call him the original Captain Marvel name, which was Captain Thunder. Ah, that'd be funny too. Yeah, I'm surprised that didn't that name didn't come up, but maybe people wouldn't recognize it or something because that was a long, long time ago. Jeez, Billy, what are us? You know, your your lightning league. <laughs> Again, if you want to get really deep in there. Also, too, you know, we only see them for a little bit, but the actors they got to play even the adult versions of the kids were all really good, and their comic or their costumes were super comic accurate. I was blown away to see Mary Marvel because I'm like, holy crap, it's fucking Mary Marvel on the big screen. Holy shit! That that was so cool. I was kind of weird because like the actress they got to play the kid Mary Marvel looks about the same age as the adult Mary Marvel. I'm like, yeah. why not just use the same one? <laughs> Yeah, that was kind of yeah, that was interesting. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think what uh, what else can we type here. Oh, I guess we get a little bit of a cameo at the end too. After invoking so much Superman and Batman, we get a Superman. Well, well, we get the body of a Superman because it's blatantly obvious Cavill is no longer Superman. Yeah, otherwise it, he would have done this. Yes, this this should you know like if there were any any hanging thoughts you know any uncertainty, this should put a stop to it. It's not him no more. Yeah, and before people say, well, he couldn't shoot it because he was shooting something else, I'm like, they could have easily digitally added him in, like, green screened him in or something like that. They clearly you know, have no We would problem. never have noticed it. <laughs> yeah, they clearly have no problem doing that, which, again, I mean, I, I guess, you know, if we want to place this movie canon-wise, which I don't even know why you would bother now because the DC film canon is all over the goddamn place, I guess this takes place after Justice League because if Freddy is a fan and knows them all by name and everything and has all their merchandise, this would have to be after. Well, not only that as well, like, I'm not, I, I'm, it, it could be after that, but also, like, you could also just say, oh, this is a different universe mm. that has like those characters because the Superman suit's actually different. It's his uh, Superman reborn suit from the comics. Oh. It's got like the red accents around the belt and everything. Right. Oh yeah. Again, it's such a quick scene. Oh yeah, yeah. You'd have to. It's like a blink and you'll miss. But yeah, they could even they could just say, oh, this is a different universe. Right. I mean, I that don't, has similar designs. <laughs> I mean, I don't think they will because it's so popular now. No, I think yeah, oh, yeah, would, yeah. They would only want to do more stuff with it. Mm. I mean, shit, they already cast the friggin' Dwayne The Rock Johnson to be Black Adam before they even knew this movie was ever going to (laughs) happen. Yeah, yeah. 
but yeah like well as, as you mentioned like before like it invokes so much superman stuff it it really it's basically a superman film yeah it, it's a superman movie if not for the shenanigans and again the person i yeah. saw the movie with said you know I, I felt like they spent too much time on shenanigans and i'm like well if they didn't do the shenanigans it would just be a superman movie then yeah the thing is is he, it's it like it goes even further and makes it like a better superman film because like he's doing stuff that like superman should be doing like like or that audiences feel a superman should do we see him like saving people and there's like that great scene in that carnival fight near the end where he like comforts like the child and father who are hiding in that thing it's like that's a total superman thing very and it was it's it's great seeing all that sort of stuff in the film and I'd really like them to do that in a Superman film. Wouldn't it be? Billy gets such, like, a good, like, hero's journey arc from being like, you know, I, I don't need nobody. I'm a lone wolf. I just want to find my mother to, you know, defending, you know, his foster brother from the bullies, even though he doesn't really want to, proving to us, the audience, that, yes, he is pure of heart. Yes, he does deserve to be Shazam, even if he doesn't believe he is. Yeah, yeah. Those bullies as well, they really made you hate them, like, straight oh. away. It's like, they, they almost run down a disabled boy and yes. then blame him for it. Like, for Jesus that. Christ. <laughs> and then invoke, oh, go, go complain to, you know, you're not parents and your fake family. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, they get their comeuppance on that one. I, I really like the foster parents in this movie, too, much as I enjoy them in the comics as well. It's nice to see an actual positive version of the po- of the foster family system in a movie. Yeah, the, the the guy they got playing Victor, he's like a main character on The Walking Dead, and he's like the only uh, good thing about The Walking Dead because he's he's funny and, like, he's he feels real as well, as, as he does in this as well, like... You just can't ha- not like him. He exudes a positive energy, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, too, you know, uh, again, you know, we mentioned Freddie. You know, all, all the kid actors are good, but, you know, you especially got to like Freddie's actor because he walks this really interesting line of, like, yes, I'm disabled, but also don't feel bad for me because I'm also kind of a dick and I'm also the comedian <laughs> and the ball buster of the team. And I'm like, man, kid, that's most adult actors couldn't pull that off. That's a hell of a tightrope they've given you. Yeah, yeah, they they all do that sort of uh, like where they surprise you. All the kid actors, or they all surprise you uh, with the roles they 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 have because yeah. they're just so good. Like you don't expect a kid actor to be as good as they are. Yeah, they uh, they're, they're amazing. I expect good things for all these kids in this movie, and I hope we get to actually see them grow up with us if this becomes a series, which I think it will. Because I mean, reviews have oh, been yeah. good. What's what was the box office like on this? I assume it was good. I, I honestly haven't been paying attention to it. I, I think it's good. I I did read something where like it might not be doing too well in oh. China, mm. but but that I think that was might might have been early reports. It might might be doing well in China now. That's a shame. Um, Chinese people should love it. He's got a big bright red costume, yeah. and all of his siblings come together as a community to overcome. Don't they have a thing about magic though? Like they're. Mm. They're kind of like iffy about like magic and mystical stuff. They like their or are they the of it, or at least you know, yeah, the, the North yeah. American version doesn't translate as well. Yeah, yeah, because they have their own lore and rules and everything. Mm-hmm. Which is weird because like it doesn't work the other way. Like you know, North American audiences love Asian themed horror films and everything because yeah, yeah, because it freaks our asses out, man. Because oh, I don't know the rules to The Grudge and The Ring, man. I know the rules to Poltergeist and The Exorcism. Yeah, yeah. 
that's an actual conversation I had with someone after we saw The Grudge, where it's like, nah, man, I, I know how this movie's supposed to go. You go to the library, you find an old priest in a dusty book, and you figure out how to defeat the evil. <laughs> Not in Japan, you don't. You gotta burn yeah, the yeah, house how the down. Hell do you defeat, yeah, how the hell do you defeat this creepy little kid thing? I oh, just nuke the area, burn the house, you know? And, and even then, you might not be lucky. <laughs> I mean, shit, that's what Cabin in the Woods was all about. The evil has been defeated. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Shazam, just just so much to like about Shazam. I think it hits so many really great uh, points in there. It's it's everything I wanted and hadn't been getting from a DC film. Yeah, and like like we said at the start of the show, like the the because it's a low budget, they got to be smart and everything. Which is when we come to the final battle, which was kind of teased in a lot of the trailers, where we see like him and Savada like fighting through the yeah. city. I'm like, that's like like two minutes of the actual fight. It's true. They they actually do so much more with that. Yeah, and I'm really glad, but as well because like you see that and you think, oh god, here comes like Man of Steel part of the film and it yeah. doesn't turn to the like there's no. like no collateral damage in this film like he he yeah. hits he that statue in um in in philadelphia i'm not sure who it is um they like hit the hit the head off of it and that's basically all the damage they do to the city yep that's about it yeah they really go out of their way to try and protect everyone and everything and that's what helps when you have a whole team of characters because they can go around and help people yeah yeah the, the seven deadly sins are in this film and like, I liked like I liked them, but like I kind of wish they were a bit more defined in their like looks because they all looked very similar. They're generic gargoyle monsters. Yeah, and I was kind of hoping it's like okay, they look like this to begin with because their power like they're weak or anything, and as they as the movie goes on, they'll probably like grow they'll and take like more change human but, forms like they have in the comics. Yeah, but they never really did, which was no. a real shame. No, that they wanted Savannah to be the bad guy. I do like where it's like, ah, oh, you know, seven, seven bad, or you know, seven sins for six champions and everything. I'm like, oh, that's that's clever. So everyone gets someone to fight and something to overcome. Yeah, and those those like end fights were like really cool. Where they gotta gotta save the Ferris wheel and mm -hmm. and save all the people in the in in the uh, in the carnival while Billy's trying to fight Savannah and and I like that they he learns about the villains like powers and weaknesses before actually fighting him as well. Like that's they realize like oh the eye we've got to get the eye. That's that's a great moment of again really good writing characters learning as they see stuff and again respecting the audience to pick up on those things as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they don't sit there, sit around like the dinner table discussing like, hey, we got to get the eye, and we get the eye, we take this out. He loses all the powers, and then you just like work it out. And then also too to probably assume where it's like, well, you as the audience have probably been counting sins the whole movie. It's like, wait, that's only six. Which one are we missing? Da, 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 da. Oh, envy. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. It, it's of course in in Savannah. They they have that great speech on top of that building mm -hmm. where he, he like lures Envy out. I thought that was really great. It's great too that Envy lives in the eye because what do they call people who are being envious? You're being a green eyed monster. Yeah, <laughs> which I thought that was fun. I'm like, ooh, it's a literal monster that lives in your eye. That's fun. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, really, what else can we say about Chisholm? I don't, I don't think I really have a bad thing to say about this movie, honestly. No, it was it was really great. It was um it wasn't overly long as well. I no. I, I actually didn't know how long this film was going into it and I, I was surprised like to learn hours. it was Yeah, I was surprised to learn it was two hours, but it didn't feel like that. Like no. it just chugged along at a really nice pace. It was never like you're not sitting there going like, Come on, 
get on with it like you would like some of the other DC movies. There's like no fat on it. No, yeah, it's very, very like you couldn't do a a a Sandberg cut of no. the film um, and have it actually be as good as it is now. Yeah, it's 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 all in there. Yeah, it's all in there. Does great world building, sets up some stuff. Uh, Wizard Shazam looks great. The Rock of Eternity <laughs> looks great. All these places that you know I wanted to see. Yeah, they set up the sequels in the in the post credit scenes really well. Mr. Uh, Hyde looks like how he's supposed to a caterpillar with a talk box. Seriously, like, they made him look exactly like he does in the comics. I love the voice they gave him, too, this very condescending robot thing. I like how creepy it sounds. Very creepy. And again, it's like, you know, you hear this horrifying, creepy voice, and it's like, oh, it's a little caterpillar with a talk box. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm very intrigued to see what they're going to do. I don't think they'll do him for the second film. Mm. I think it'll be someone else, and I think like Black Adam will be like obviously the third film. Um, but yeah, very intrigued to you see have, what they're going to do next. You have to wonder where they're going with Mister Mind. I think the fact that he mentioned all the different realms seeks to imply that he's the mm-hmm. new comic version, wherein he's from the monster realms and he's a monster, not like a weird alien thing that he was in like the I, original nineteen thirty stories. I, I do have a feeling the sequel will be like adventure in fun land or the magic lands you know right. now that you have your powers now police all these realms yeah the the one thing i do hope because this was made by new line mm-hmm. uh this wasn't made by like the usual people who make the other dc films i'm hoping now that since they realize like they might have a big hit on the hand they don't take that away from new line yeah. they keep it with new line and let them just do their thing and then hopefully maybe as well if that's successful if they give them more characters yeah i'd be fine with that yeah, and then you've got like the new line universe, line universe of of DC, which is really cool. Ooh, another small uh, little reference here. I don't know if this is something that's new in the comics or something they've changed around, but uh, Billy's mom is named Cece. Yeah, I, uh, I'm not too sure. That's a reference to Cece Beck, one of uh, Captain Marvel Shazam's original creators. Yeah, that's awesome. His name was also CC, and I'm like, oh, that's fun. And I knew it was a nerdy thing, because in the theater, I'm the only one who went, ah. And everyone's like, why <laughs> Why was that important? <laughs> it was just a take root of the plot. <laughs> no, but it's a fun reference. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, really, what, what more can we say about Shazam? Just that it was good, that we really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, I'm really excited for it. I, I kind of want to go see it again, because it was so good. A, a lot of people have been seeing it multiple times. Yeah, it's it's a fun film. Uh, I look I look for this will probably be the first DC film I actually buy on Blu-ray. Yeah. Oh yeah, I hope there's a good commentary track attached to this. I'd love to. Oh yeah. yeah, 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 and do yeah. a do a track with all the kids. Do one with the writer director. Oh, and then yes. do one with all the kids. I want to hear that. <laughs> that that that'd be really cool. That'd be really cool. And I hope I hope from this, uh, the director David F. Sandberg, uh, gets. I like the sequel and more work yeah. and like even even like his his like involvement in the film is like kind of crazy because he's like this guy who's known for horror yeah. with like he did like annabelle i think and like yes, a lights did. out and like they're the only films he's actually done i would not and then he did then he does this, this. it's like a, a second james one basically a little bit and then it's like well okay he did horror well the scary scenes in this movie are actually pretty scary so maybe that's why yeah yeah and 
yeah, he works so well, and it shows that he's a bit more eclectic when it he can write in different genres and everything and mix them together and whatnot really well. He's got chops, he really does. And again, you know, there's there's a monster land. I would love to see what a horror director does when we mm. go to the monster lands. That'd be really cool. Also, give him give him a damn Superman film. Just give it to him. At this point, I think he could do it. I think he really could. If you if you could get something as weird and outside the box as Shazam, I think you can handle something as traditional as Superman. Yeah, all because because of the way they've handled it. You know, obviously this character is a bit more popular than Superman in the film. Let's do a Shazam Superman film. Oh, that'd be fun. I mean, like well, do do it around like the comics, like how how Superman finds out that that Shazam is just like a kid and then goes to the rock of eternity. And like, obviously you, you probably couldn't have that, but like talks with the, the wizard and tells him how bad it is. And like teams up with Shazam to like help him learn more about his powers and whatnot. I mean, we know that Shazam and Superman clearly know each other now. So yeah. 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 So that's not hard to sell at all. Honestly. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, that was Shazam. That was our spoiler cast. You know, we talked about Easter eggs. We talked about where we would like to see this go in the future. I hope I hope this becomes a big, fruitful franchise. Yeah, I'm very excited to see where it goes. And hopefully it does really well as well. I agree. I hope this one does well. I hope I, I hope the stink of the other DC films and, you know, the, the bad old times doesn't affect this. Although it didn't affect Wonder Woman and Aquaman, so. Yeah. But then again... People know who Aquaman and Wonder Woman are, you know. Shazam, he's a little bit more obscure. Yeah, you got to really sell Shazam, and I think it's I think it's working. Yeah, it, it had a really good trailer. I, and I would be surprised for the people who show up and be like, oh, this guy hangs out with Superman? <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. You know there's got to be those people. It's like, oh, I didn't even know this was connected to that. I thought this was like another thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, if the same people aren't sure if Spider-Man is DC or Marvel... <laughs> <laughs> surely there are people who showed up who didn't know the people who just go to everything now which team does hellboy <laughs> hang out with <laughs> yeah are all these movies in that cinematic universe yeah what about the boy from brightburn where which 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 <laughs> universe does he hang out with i think captain america should give him a talking to <laughs> <laughs> but yeah everyone i guess on that note we can start bringing this one to a close i don't i'm not sure how long this episode was but, you know, it's it's it's, it's about uh, quality, not quantity. Yes, yes. I think it's a little bit shorter, but yes, the, the quality of the content was good. Yeah, I mean, that's the, that's what happens here. I've still got uh, comics to catch up on from the week and everything. I'm actually <laughs> whittling down my pile like never before, which I'm happy about. Same, same. I'm actually on on, on single, single hand count now for my comics, which nice. <laughs> hasn't happened in like months. <laughs> you know, I say that, but I'm sure next week will be filled with like new War of Realms tie-ins that will oh, God, yeah. pull my hair out. Well, I think they're doing them in like a way that they don't overwhelm you where there's, there's like one or two out every other week or something. That's good. And plus all the crossovers that are happening. So, yeah, yeah. That, should, that should be good. <laughs> you know, again, be sure yeah. to come back next week, everyone. We'll have more comic multiverse goodness for you. Be talking about what we read, what we've seen, what we've been doing. And I think that'll just be a good old time. So until yes. then, everyone, I've been Joel. I'm Matt. And we will see you all next time, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.